Good morning, class. Good morning, Brother Keith. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School is the place where my spirit is fed, where my faith grows stronger, and where I learn how to be an overcomer. When you're born again, you're born a baby, a spiritual baby. And so babies don't know everything about how to live and be and act. So you've got to grow up and learn things. Well, the justified ones live by faith, walk by faith, overcome by faith, please God by faith. But it's not something you're just born again knowing everything about. You learn. You grow. If you apply yourself. And so that's what faith school is about. Just like your body needs to be fed uh, physical nourishment or else it gets weak, can get sick, it can stop working. Spiritually, you need to be fed. Not just somebody's ideas, but you need to be fed the anointed words that God has spoken. And oh, what that does for you is beyond words in articulate speech. It, 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 like we said, it, it builds you up, it feeds you, it strengthens you, it quickens you. Well, when you're strong on the inside, you see everything differently on the outside. When you're weak spiritually and weak in faith, even the smallest things just seem too big. Everything is overwhelming. Uh, everything just seems hopeless. But it's not because that thing is so big necessarily, but it's because the person is so weak. But as you get built up, God looks bigger and bigger to you. <laughs> and His Spirit's inside you. And the enemy looks smaller and smaller. And the problem looks smaller and smaller. And the need looks smaller and smaller to you until you start acting like an overcomer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Get your Bible, get something to make a note with. Come on into the classroom with us and let's release faith. Father, all of us together... We agree together, touching this, asking for utterance, anointing, grace, direction, help, answers for now. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Look, please, in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews, the third chapter, to a series that we've been on now for uh, a few weeks that we're calling Overcoming Unbelief. In Hebrews 3 and 18 and 19, it says, To whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not. So we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. As we've said before on this, it wasn't the giants that kept them out. It wasn't the walled cities. It wasn't their lack of knowledge. It wasn't their lack of military training or ability or any of a thousand and one things that the enemy would tell you, this is why 
you can't have it. This is why this is never going to happen in your life. It wasn't any of those things. It was not any of those things that kept them out. What kept them out, class? What, what held them out? Unbelief. They couldn't enter in because of unbelief. Now, many people hear that word and they're like, oh yeah, right, right. That's, yeah, we shouldn't do that. But then that's the end of it. They, they never pursue to find out even what unbelief is, what it looks like, sounds like. And so they don't realize how much of it they're actually operating in themselves. And you don't notice it if you're operating in unbelief because the whole world is operating that way. So it doesn't sound unusual. It doesn't look unusual. Faith sounds unusual in the ungodly world. Look in the fourth chapter here, the the first verse. This goes on to say, Let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us the gospel was preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. What gospel did they hear? Gospel means good news or good report. The good report was about the good land, Canaan's good land and all the good things that they could enjoy and have and be and do there. But when they saw the giants, when they saw the problems, they decided this can't be true. This is too good to be true. It, here's reality. Giants, walled cities, this is never going to happen. And that was a lie. Because God intended for them to enjoy it. Them, not somebody else. Later on, he brought their kids in when they grew up, proving it could be done. Go please to the uh, 1 Corinthians 10. Let's look at that again. Talking about overcoming unbelief. 1 Corinthians 10 and 1, it says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant. Anytime the Bible says, don't be ignorant about this, what can you be sure There's a lot of ignorance (laughs) about this, or elsewise the Lord wouldn't say it. Of what? About how all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all baptized to Moses in the cloud, in the sea. They did all eat the same spiritual food. They drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Oh, thank you, Lord. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. None of that pleased God. Not them refusing to believe Him, not them refusing to listen and obey Him, not them wandering around out in the wilderness and dying young and wrong. None of that pleased God. Well, what was the problem then? Somebody said, well, hey, now God's God. I mean, if He wants something to happen, it's going to happen. Apparently not. And if that bothers you, then you have elevated religious tradition above what we just read in the New Testament. No, just because God wants something for you or for me does not mean that's automatically going to happen or that it has to happen. Because if I choose not to listen to Him and not to believe Him and not to obey Him, 
He would have to override my will and my choice to make it happen. And he won't do that. Even though it's his will, he will allow me and you and billions on the planet to choose something other than his will and plan. He will allow you to do your own thing, even though it costs you his plan for your life and what he wanted you to enjoy and have. And that's why the world is in such a mess. Because men and women really do have a free will. They can choose not to believe. You know, the Lord said this in, in the uh, Deuteronomy and other places. He said, uh, I set before you life, death, blessing, cursing. Choose life that both you and your seed may live. And he goes on to talk about the blessings. Whose choice is it? See, people try to say it's God's choice, don't they? I mean, you just hear right and left. Well, you know, it must have been God's choice. No, God says it's your choice. It's my choice. Somebody said out loud just by faith, say, I choose life. I choose blessing. I choose God. I choose to believe. Hallelujah. He said, verse 6, now these things were our examples. They're examples for us. Skip down to verse 11. He goes over a list of the different things they did wrong, a number of them. Verse 11 says, now all these things happened to them for in samples, examples, and they're written for our admonition. Say it out loud, they're written for me. For our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come, wherefore let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Let me read this to you from uh, the Living Bible. It says, these things happen as examples, as object lessons to us to warn us against doing the same things. They're written down so we could read about them and learn from them. Verse 12 says, be careful if you're thinking, oh, I would never behave like that. Let this be a warning to you, uh, for you too could fall into sin. No, um, these things are very pertinent to us right now today. And you got millions of people, they've never even read the stories in Exodus. Not even one time. So how would you know what to watch for? You didn't even know what happened. People say, oh, we're all under grace. It doesn't matter. The New Testament matters, dear one. What the Bible tells you to pay attention to matters. Yet, do you know you can be saved, thoroughly saved, saved, accepted in the beloved, made righteous, made holy by the all-encompassing sacrifice of Jesus. You can be all that and yet live totally defeated in this life. Live a totally defeated life. Be robbed of the benefits and blessings of God on the right hand and the left. It's happening. And one of the reasons why is this ignorance and lack of faith, what, what has been so freely given to us by grace is a free gift, not earned, not deserved. Even though it's been given to you as a gift, you know, I, I could 
buy you the most expensive car on the planet. Pay for it myself. But that doesn't mean you'll ever enjoy it. You'd have to know that somebody had got you a car. And you'd have to receive it. Wouldn't you? Could you refuse it? Could you say, oh, I, you know, I think there's strings attached to that. And, and I just don't know about that. And, and no. And if you wouldn't receive it, even though somebody had given you an amazing gift or a house or whatever, you have to receive it to enjoy it. You have to receive it to experience it. And the way we receive the spiritual things, the things of God, is by faith. Faith is the hand that lays hold and takes and receives what God has so graciously given. So no, it's not all grace. It's by grace. You couldn't even have it to receive if grace hadn't given it to you. But grace can give you things that you never enjoy. You've got to receive it by faith. That's why we have faith school. Grace is God's part. We don't have to work on that part. God's got his part. He's good at his part. The giving part, you don't have to work on that part. Guess which part you've got to work on? The faith part. The receiving part. The laying hold of part. And what will the enemy come to try to do to interfere with you receiving? He will come and lie to you and push you and pressure you and tempt you to doubt. To, unbel- to, to be in unbelief. Because if he can do that, he can rob you. Just like he robbed them. Now what we saw, and we, began, we got into some, this some uh, yesterday's class. Numbers 14, the Lord had said that they had failed to believe him ten significant times. And so we're going back and studying these one at a time. So go with me to Exodus again, the uh, 13th chapter. And what are we looking for, class? What are we looking for? Unbelief. Because we're warned... Don't let happen to you what happened to them. Well, what, we know what happened to them, but we want to know why. And you know, uh, in that, uh, uh, you, you just stay where you are, but in our uh, text, chapter Hebrews 3, um, prior to those verses we read, the Lord said, uh, Hebrews 3.10, He said, I was grieved with that generation, and said, they do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. They never learned God. They never learned how he does things. And so they kept trying to test him, not realizing they're the ones failing the test over and over again. Is that kind of stuff still happening today? Oh, man. People think they're testing God. Well, God, if you're real, just prove it to me. And you hear people say dumb things like, you know, there is no evidence of God. Yeah, just the air you breathe, just the sun shining on your face, just the gravity holding your feet. It's everywhere. No. God's not the one uh, being tested here. It's us. 
who we have to find out, are we going to believe or are we not going to believe? Are we going to obey or are we going to rebel? That's what's going on. And what he said, he said, they never learned my ways. They didn't listen. They didn't watch. They, what? they didn't care to. They didn't, they didn't care enough. They, if you want to understand something, you apply yourself to it, don't you? You pay attention. And God wasn't hiding it. He wasn't making it hard. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Faith is not an impossible thing. It's a choice. It's a choice to trust instead of distrust. It's a choice to listen instead of not listen. It's a choice to obey instead of rebel. Said out loud, faith Amen. is a choice. A choice. I, choose I choose to believe. To believe. Now, don't, don't hold up your hand, but have you ever made the wrong choice? <laughs> don't hold up your hand. <laughs> what do you mean? A choice to doubt and question instead of trust and believe. Yeah. You, you've made the wrong choice before. I've made the wrong choice before. But we didn't have to. We didn't have to then. We don't have to now. Thank God, especially as you, as you get these things built into you more and your spirit gets stronger, you start recognizing these symptoms of this evil unbelief. And I'm quoting scripture when I say that, uh, that, that robs people, rob you if you let it. You start recognizing and go, uh-uh, no, 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 no. I am not going to think like that. I am not going to talk like that. I am not going to yield myself to that. We need to be well versed in this. If we're going to walk a real walk of faith. So let's look at it some more. Exodus chapter 13 and 14 is where it is. And I hope that you can come be with us more because we're just getting started in this. After the one we're on now, we've got nine more. <laughs> and it's taken us almost a week to introduce this one. <laughs> well, it could take a while. It could take a while. And if it takes a long while, that's good. That's fine. What else you need to be? What else is more important than learning how to trust God? Learning how to not be robbed. Because uh, what happens is over a period of time, your mind gets renewed. You start thinking differently. You start seeing things differently. And oh, you get harder and harder for the enemy to trick. You get harder and harder for the devil to steal from you. And I, I think you like that, right? In the, the 14th chapter of Exodus is this first major incident that we're looking at. The Lord told him where to camp over by the, the sea, and uh, told them that Pharaoh was going to start talking about why did we let them go and decide to come after them, which is exactly what he did. Nothing surprises God. Nothing. Just because it surprises you or me doesn't mean it surprised him. If you go, oh, Lord, look what happened. What are we going to do? <laughs> he already knows. Somebody say, he already knows. He, he already, he saw it coming. He saw the problem coming. He already knows the answer. And what you want to do is just take a moment, catch your breath, and, and remind yourself, he already knows. This did not surprise him. 
He already knows. What if they had done that with this Red Sea incident? If they could just taken a moment and said, now, hold on, God told us this was going to happen. So if he already knew it was going to happen, and he already told us what, he's going to get glory out of it, so it's going to end good. Did they have to panic? Did they have to fall apart? They did not. So he said to verse 4, I'll be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his host, and that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. You wouldn't have, you wouldn't have had to have had a lot of deductive reasoning to, to figure out, well, now, if he comes here and kills all of us, is that going to glorify God? Is that going to cause all the Egyptians to go, yeah, their Lord really is God? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. That would cause you to think all the Egyptian gods are bigger than the God of the Hebrews. So without having the whole story, you could deduce if you would just look and think a little bit, God is planning on a big victory out here. He's planning on a big victory over the Egyptians. And so it was told the king that the people had fled. And he said, why have we let them go? He got his chariot ready. Verse 7, 600 chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt. Captains over every one of them. We need to be enlightened, I think, as to the, the magnitude of people that these scenes involve. For one thing, on one side, you've got two million uh, Israelites. Two million plus all the livestock. I mean, it, just, you, it was people and, and, and animals as far as you could see. And here you've got hundreds and hundreds of chariots and horses plus the horsemen plus the footmen and all the stuff to support them. It's a huge host. This is not some little small stuff. These are big numbers of people and big companies. And they see them coming. And uh, verse 10, when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes. And behold, the Egyptians marched after them. They saw them. And what was their response? They were sore afraid. They went into full-blown panic. This is their first failure of the ten that we're talking about, failing to trust God. Notice how it's worded. When Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel did what? Lifted up their eyes. Why were they so full of fear? Because of what they saw. Because of what they're looking at. And they were sore afraid. And they cried out. Then they said to Moses. Because there were no graves in Egypt. That you've taken us away to die in the wilderness. Now we're going to see this. You'll see some of the same things repeated over and over again. But I want you. Especially those of you watching. uh, Remotely here. Get you something to make some notes with. And uh, whether it's electronically or paper or whatever, you want to put down these characteristics of unbelief and you want to get them ingrained in you so that you recognize them. One of the first and big ones we see is what? Fear. Fear. They, and where did the fear come from? What they saw. 
but they, they saw them coming. They heard the rumble of the chariots and the neighing of the horses and the clattering of the spears and hardware against the shields and all that. And, and maybe the Egyptians were yelling and chanting some things. They're planning on killing some people. And man, they got the military might to do it. They were one of, if not the premier army fighting force on the planet. It would have been like the, the most technologically advanced army of today coming against a bunch of people who were slaves. They got no military training and they don't have a bunch of military hardware. And they're hemmed in. They're coming up behind them and the ocean's in front of them. And they don't have the time and they don't have the place. Everything looks like you're about to die. Now we don't want to just brush this aside and go, well, you know, uh, they shouldn't have been afraid. Well, put yourself there. <laughs> right? We do, this hadn't been written yet. Exodus hadn't been written yet. <laughs> we need to understand how fear works. The spirit of fear. And how to recognize it. Because this same thing has happened to you. Wasn't Pharaoh's army. Your back wasn't up against the sea. But the same kind of thing is that. What do you mean? You saw something. You heard something. You felt something. Somebody told you. And fear. Fear just came on you to sit on you. And panic. But here's the thing. Just because you feel fear does not mean you've yielded to fear. Oh, come on, class. Are y'all with me or not? Just because you hear some things that startle you, that rattle you, I, I don't care if you goosebumps and the hair sticks up and, and if your knees are bumping together. People say, well, you're, it's too late. You're right. No, it ain't too late. These are symptoms of fear. Now you gotta, now you gotta choose, am I yielding to this? Am I just giving in to this? Or am I resisting this? And you start talking like the psalmist, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Reckon you'd feel some things walking through the valley of the shadow of death? Yes. Yes, you're gonna feel some things, but that's not the end of the battle. It's the beginning of the battle. And you gotta make up your mind, I am not Yielding to this stinking fear. I am not letting fear grip me and choke the faith out of me. Come on class, are y'all with me? This is your stand. This is how you fight the good fight of faith. Everybody say fear. I resist you. I refuse to yield to fear. Fear. Leave me. Go away from me. I trust God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, this is fighting the good faith fight 101. <laughs> Resisting fear. It came to them. It'll come to you. I don't care if you walk with God for 80 years. It'll come to you again. What do you do? Resist it. Again, when you resist the enemy, he has to flee 
from you. Our time's up again, but come back tomorrow because we're going to see some more How to Resist Fear. See you soon back here in Faith School. I've got the victory living inside. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390.